Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old from California, personal development junkie. I'm a loan officer by day, podcaster on the weekends. I've always loved listening to podcasts. My personal development journey started early in high school when my ex broke up with me, and I just didn't know how to handle it. So I googled how to get over your ex, and I went and saw all these articles about personal development and really working on yourself. So I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. And I got into one podcast. It all started with the School of Greatness with Lewis Howes, and then I just started to spiral and see Tony Robbins and just see everything and see everyone and listen to Angie Lee. And I've always wanted to start a podcast, but I've always gotten my own way. So I pushed it off for a couple years, and then I got furloughed from my job back in April. And I decided, you know what? Now's the time. It's either going to happen now or it's never going to happen. So I just did it, and I started. And I post. I sent all these DMs to so many different people. I thought so many people were going to say no. And to my surprise, a lot of people said yes. So I ended up overbooking myself, doing three to four interviews a day for the first couple weeks. Was furloughed for ten weeks and really maximized on that time and just did a ton of interviews. And it's been incredible getting to interview so many different people from so many different walks of life and just hear about their struggles and how they were able to overcome them and reflect back on their twenties. I've interviewed such a variety of people, from therapists to a chef who called off her engagement and called in the one, to a singer, to multi seven figure entrepreneurs, to a real estate investor who retired at twenty seven and is making over five figures of passive income every month. And it's been so incredible to hear these stories and these unfiltered conversations, and just being able to ask any question that I want. And if there's one thing I want you guys to get out of this podcast, it's just to really live full out because you never know when, you never know if you have tomorrow. We really only have today in this moment, so might as well just live full out. If any of these topics resonate or any of the episodes resonate with you, I would really love if you would leave a review and share it with a friend who you think it might resonate with. Today's guest is Gina. I love chatting with her. We talk about going all in and how she went all in on her business, even though she didn't necessarily have the resources to do so. She got resourceful and found a way to make it work, and how it really launched her to where she is now. We talk about her podcast, The Abundance Formula, what the Abundance Formula is, and how to really be supportive for your partner when they're going through a winter season and so much more. So let's get started. Thank you so much, Gina, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. We would love to know about your story. How did you get to the place you are right now? Tell me about your journey and what it's looked like so far. Well, there's definitely so much (laughs) to the journey. And it's actually one area, and I'm sure people, the listeners will relate to this, like, you know, in your story, especially if you've had some decent rock bottom moments. (laughs) And for me, especially since your podcast is talking about 20s and stuff. My 20s was a Jerry Springer like situation. So I've tried to learn and figure out and sort through like how to share my story in the best way that truly like gives the impact lessons that I really want from it as opposed to just focus on like the negative things that may have happened. But long story short, I have a background. I'm a practitioner in prosthetics and orthotics. I build and design prosthetic limbs for amputees and orthotics is kind of dealing with a a vast array of bracing. I kind of specialize in children. So I see a lot of disabled children and help them walk again or correct deformities or weaknesses that they have. And so I went to graduate school for that. And in that space, a lot of personal development happened there. My parents had been married for 30 years and they got ended up getting divorced and I kind of got mixed up in all of that. And so that's when I, so I lived in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and that's when I was like, I have got to leave all, I've got to get out and protect kind of myself, my mental state. So that's when I moved. I skipped my last year of undergrad. I was lucky enough to have really good grades and was able to do that. So I felt God tell me like, you need to just get out and do your own thing for a while. So I moved away to California and did graduate school and found just like empowerment in that work. 
Um, but I definitely learned to hustle in that phase of life because since my parents had gotten di gotten divorced, you know, I was out there living in California, which is already expensive. And, you know, neither of them had a lot of money to so help support because they're going through all this divorce stuff. And so I had like plenty of times where I'm, you know, cutting a chicken breast in half because I don't have enough money to go to the grocery store. Or I had, you know, the experiences of when you don't have enough at the checkout. And so you have to put things back and, you know, times where I would just not have enough money for food and have to just pray and be like, you know, I don't know what to do next. So you're just going to have to perform a miracle Lord. And then I'd get a phone call. My grandma was in town, like really amazing things. So in that space of graduate school, I learned to not only work really hard because at that time, so I was in school from basically 8am to 11pm with like 30 minute breaks for lunch and like just a break. And so I would train people between those places. I train people early in the morning before class. I trained them late after class. I was like running on three hours of sleep and I started my online training business there while at school. So I could make more money without having to put in like physical time with people. I trained and competed and placed seventh in the world for my height at an international fitness competition in that time. And so I learned a lot about myself, like in that particular dark space, like you put your mind to it, you can honestly have some of your greatest achievements and breakthroughs in those spaces. And this will play in later when I get to where we are now. But so I learned some of those tactics that like, you know, you can either feel sorry for yourself in those places, or you can say, all right, let's create some change, you know, and, and make some things happen and try some things, even if you don't know what you're doing. So I got into some of those practices in those, and just living for me personally, just on massive faith because you do reach those points, especially in your rock bottoms where you literally can't physically yourself do anything else to change the situation and you just have to give it over. And um, so I experienced the result of that degree of faith. So that plays into a lot of the big places I've reached now. But so I learned those tactics then. And once I got back, I moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I moved here because my husband, my future husband was here. Uh, we started dating when I was in California. I don't know if you want to get into that story yet. We can cover it. I know you have a question later, but moved back here for my residency in Tennessee and we ended up getting married and everything was great. And then right when my, before my daughter was born, so we, we got pregnant with our first child and I felt like I wanted to, I just felt like I wanted to be the kind of mom that was going to be home to be the primary one raising her. But I also have really high ambitions and I love business and I love being an entrepreneur. And so I wanted to still have a career as well. And so I knew as I was pregnant with her and working full time as a practitioner, I had to find, if I was going to do that, I needed to add something else, like another source of income. And at that time I was a practitioner and that was our primary income source. And then my husband was running our in-person and online personal training business. So we had planned that when I had our child, we would kind of switch places and he has a whole business background. So he would just move back to the corporate world. And then I would continue to run our training business, but then raise our daughter. And then I knew for me, I needed to add something else as well. So I'd started looking for things and tried a couple things and like out that could be online focused, especially that didn't require me to leave or that's kind of defeating the purpose. And so I tried a, a certain network marketing company. It didn't really, wasn't a fit. So I hadn't found a fit by the time we'd had her. So then my maternity, maternity leave ran out. And after that, like I still was working just two days a week then at my practitioner job. And so money was definitely really tight because I was choosing to stay home. And so much in me wanted to like, of course I could have fixed all the that stress. And I hated feeling that stress again because I swore to myself back in graduate school, I was never going to be in that place again. And I had been really successful, you know, in that meantime. But so it was tight because, you know, I had been the primary, you know, income at that point and you just switch real places. That's a big deal. And living at your same level, plus adding another human to the mix. So I was like, I have got to find something else. And at the same time, on top of that, my my husband had, before we even had our child, had, had had some traumatic things in his past and struggled with PTSD. So he always had really bad sleep at night and would wake up and he'd torn apart a tent we were in one time when we were camping, like big, like really bad sleep. And so once we had our child, that like exacerbated so much because you're already running on such little sleep. And so he got even less sleep and it just really like 
shifted a whole just even neurological state. And so he ended up dipping into some really severe like depression and anxiety that wasn't normally him, but it was a huge deal. And um, we ultimately needed to get him some help. And so he ended up seeing a really great psychologist. Um, but that was, again, an additional <laughs> cost to add. And it really kind of, de- I mean, mental illness is really debilitating. And so he really and especially when you're not able to sleep. And so he just couldn't really help a lot with the baby. Sometimes would have to take like some time to himself a whole weekend away. And so it was just really hard a lot, like emotionally, physically, financially. So all these things had just built up to this point about a year ago. And so finally I had seen one of my girlfriends who I grew up with, who lived in our same neighborhood had been doing a network marketing company and she had been a nurse. And um, so we had worked together in the medical field too. And I was like, what is she doing? She's home with her two little boys, but she's saying she's making money. And so I had watched her for a little while, but I didn't know what she was doing. So I finally in the state was just like, I'm just going to ask her because I need to figure out something because if I can get us more financially comfortable, that's going to help both of our mental states, but also give us the money to help support the help that he needs to fix some of these past like things that he struggled with and and not just ignore them and stuff them down because they can't be stuffed down anymore, clearly. So I needed to create some kind of change for our family and and I just wanted to for myself. So long story short, she was in a hair and skincare company that was really new. And that was something I was interested in because that meant you could really be a big player in it. And they were already like super credible clinically study, which to me, I loved being a practitioner. So I just ended out like, I didn't have the money to throw in to buy one of these product packs to get started, but I felt that this was the one. And so I ended out telling my dad, cause I don't like to ask for things. So I told him, I was like, look, I'll train your wife for $500 and you know, we'll train for however many weeks and I'll come to your house and do it. So he gave me $500 and two weeks before that I had negative $136 in my bank account. And I put that 500 straight to buying the second biggest. So it's not even like I bought the smallest product pack to get into this business. I was like, I am throwing all in, I'm leaping off the cliff. I'm building the parachute on the way down. I'm going for this. And I'm, it's, it's not a, I want to do it. Like I have to do it. So I bought a five ninety nine pack that I didn't necessarily have money for. And I put all in and in less than a year have become in the top 3% of the company. And the cool overall story of that is to say, again, in what I've learned, especially my favorite things, abundance, as I know we'll talk about is it's easy to feel abundant in awesome times, of course, but the key is to figure out how to be abundant and have abundant thinking in your darkest places. And So I've learned to, when you're in a really bad space to keep an extra eye out because there's most of the time a breakthrough there, like a big breakthrough, but you have to be looking for it and you have to choose it. So that was the rewarding part about that experience is I chose that and I worked for it. And no, technically, if you looked at the facts, like I shouldn't have invested that $500 that I should have just like technically saved in my bank account but I bet on myself and I was like, I can do this and I'm going to do it. I'm not leaving room for like, maybe like I'm burning the boats and I'm doing this. And now it's been a reward tenfold in all aspects. Financially, it gave us the space to deal with the emotional things we needed to deal with. And it's just helped in every facet of our life. So I'm so glad that I took the leap of faith and did it. And I'm grateful for the past hardships that I had because I had those, you know, mental muscles to say like, this is a dark space. And it's easy to say, well, I shouldn't do this because I just am in this really tired space. No, do it then because that's when it really matters. So that's a long way to get to where I am now. But yeah. And what advice would you give someone who maybe their spouse is going through a similar situation and they really want to show up for them in that season? Yeah. So especially with mental, mental, like issues or mental illness, like it's very easy as the spouse to like in one of our therapy sessions, I went with him and it was a, such a great set. Like everybody like has a little bit probably of a stigma towards like psychologists or having to get therapy or whatever, but it's like some of the biggest celebrities in the world have them just because we all need them. It's just, can we all afford them? No. But if you can, like you have learned so many life lessons, even if you're not in a struggling time, just to learn life lessons and talk 
things, limiting beliefs, you know, work through all these things are so great when you can talk to somebody that has such a background in thought and practices like that. But so one of the things we learned when we went to a session together was as the spouse, it's easy to want to either rescue or manage. And, and even in our session there, like when he would have to be working through some heavy stuff, like from his past, I would hate to see him like struggling to have to work through these things he was that were being brought out that had been like suppressed. And so I'd either want to like try to share it with him or I'd want to try to like help him fix it. And the therapist made such a great point to say, look, Gina, you know, he knows we have like training and fitness background, both of us. And so he's like, look, if somebody's supposed to get stronger, what good does it do them? If you lift the weight for them, it doesn't help. It doesn't help them. Like the resistance training has to happen in them. You can be a supporter, but you can't do it for them. And you also can't enable them to continue where they are. So there are two different flips of like wanting to either rescue, like, so say, finances were low or whatever, like I could want to rescue and do things there. But at the same time that needed to be sorted out on its, you know, in whoever's lane that was, or, you know, emotionally, if he had to work through, you know, if there was a, an anger episode that happened, then I couldn't just be a manager, but I couldn't be a rescuer to okay it either. So there's, there's a balance you have to find, but you can start when you think of it in yourself, like when you're about to respond to something that's happening with them, Am I trying to rescue them for something they need to experience so that they can overcome? Or am I trying to just manage, manage, manage? And my husband always like, don't give me the Tony Robbins speech is what he always would call it. We would laugh so hard because it is. It's like you think I can motivate them through this or pump, you know, like it's, they have to do it. That's one of the biggest things that relieved, uh, relieved weight off my shoulders is somehow you feel like you need to help them fix what's happening. But at the end of the day, you can't like, you can't fix it. You have to just be there with them through it all. And if they ask you for help, you know, always offer help in any way, but let them ask you and tell them what would be helpful in their opinion to them. You know, you can have ideas of what you think would be helpful, but that does, it doesn't matter unless it's what they think would be helpful. So that's one of the biggest things in supporting someone that's struggling with anxiety or depression or panic attacks or PTSD is just letting them feel safe to know you're there with them through the whole journey, no matter how ugly it gets. And for, so they feel safe to be honest. Cause that's a thing I think in marriages or partnerships that a lot of people don't feel safe to be that brutally honest. And, you know, it doesn't always make the person look good, you know, to say the thoughts that were in their head, even though they know it doesn't make sense, but that's been part of what's helped my husband so much is to know that he can tell me some of the crazy things going on in his head and it's not going to make me freak out and leave him because of what he needed to get out or, you know what I mean? But a lot of relationships don't feel that way. And they're like, oh, gosh, if I say this, she's going to be gone, you know, or whatever. But so having that safety to really be truly authentic and honest and raw with each other so that you can know where that person's really at so that they can get the effective help. And how did you make him feel safe? Did you open up first and create that space for him or? Yeah, I certainly would see him struggling and would, you know, mention that to him. But one thing I've always admired about my husband, he is so honest, like, especially with, you know, some of these mental things. Like I grew up like not feeling okay, like that it was not okay to cry. That was one thing I was kind of taught inadvertently. So I have certainly need plenty, needed plenty of therapy for myself to let out emotions and be raw in that sense, because to me, that was, you weren't strong if you did that. So I was always a suppressed personality in that place. It's like, I was the one who never cried. And if I did, everybody pointed it out, which made that worse. And I didn't want people to point it out. So I've always suppressed that stuff. He's always been very open emotionally. So he would be open about what he was feeling, but not always about what he needed. So we had to work on clarifying that between the two of us. Like, you know, sometimes these, how am I supposed to read some of these actions to know that you want help based on you doing this as opposed to saying, I need help, but he would definitely tell me how he felt. So we worked through some of that together for me having to just be like, do you want help with this? Like, you know, I, I can only help so much, honestly, as a partner closely. I really think when things are severe like that, um, you need somebody else outside of you two, like to be the, the subjective, you know, or the objective person to speak true clarity in the situation. Cause otherwise you're both kind of in it. Um, and especially with spouses, it's like, 
you know, there's a little bit of that, not competitive edge, but you know what I'm saying? Like not to feel like less than the other one, it helps have somebody on the outside, but he was very honest about his feelings. I've always admired that about him because some of the things like that he would tell me, I don't know that I would have told anyone because I would have been afraid of what they would think of me if I had felt that way. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I would tell somebody if I felt like I felt so bad that I wanted to run my car off the road. I don't, I wouldn't have told somebody that ever, <laughs> like not that I would have ever done it, but to just express to somebody that that was a feeling that I had and I had to beat that. I, you know, so that's a huge thing is just being so honest. And I'm lucky that he was willing to be honest about the things he felt. So I could then not be naive to like how serious we needed to take this. So for mental illness, for both sides, like for both sides to be so brutally honest, if you notice things that you, you're not sure is this, it's not this person's norm to go ahead and say it and not worry if they're going to be offended and they can just, you know, the, whatever their response is, is what it will be. And to keep pushing if they, you, you know, you still see the same things occurring, but, um, and then for the person struggling to just really be honest, because the sooner you're honest, the sooner you can really get out of that place because you can get some external help because you're your own enemy in that place and need somebody else to speak truth outside of you to what's really happening. And I'd love to go back to the moment when your bank account was in the negative and you're like, I'm going to just invest in this thing. It's going to get a return. It's going to be okay. Is that your first time investing in something? And being like, it's going to be okay. Or was that your first situation where you were like that? And what helped you like with the faith, like this is going to come back? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was the biggest investment that I would say I'd made in myself, like in in one chunk. Um, Anybody who's ever done a fitness competition knows that like in a lump sum total, that's ends out adding up, especially when you're traveling to places. But yeah, that was the biggest like, lump sum that I spent, especially if I didn't already have the money, like for me, and this is where it's interesting between my husband and I dynamic wise, like his dad died at a really young age suddenly. And so his money mindset is like, you're only here so long, you might as well live happy and buy all the things. Whereas I grew up seeing like my mom get in trouble if she had too big of a shopping spree at Ross or, you know what I mean? Like, so I grew up feeling like you cannot spend money unless it is necessary. You need it. It, You know, it's for an effective use or whatever. So I'm never the spender. So I'm always the saver and it's really hard for me to like do that. So it was the first time that I had spent a lump sum when I didn't just have it saved and planned up nice and, you know, type a personality that I am like ready to go but had, but trusted that gut feeling that I had inside, like that the definition of insanity is that if you want change and nothing changes, like, you know, like you're doing the same thing over and again, expecting change. And so I was like, I have to change something. So unless I'm going to go back to my full-time job and pay somebody else to raise my child, which doesn't, isn't for me what I want to do, then I have to do something else. And this is the best thing for me because it's something I can do from home, from my phone, you know, be my own boss and have an uncapped potential of how much I can make with this. It's just what I'm willing to put in. And I knew at that moment that like, again, one of the big things Tony Robbins says is you'll make the biggest difference in something. If, if it's not a, I want to do it, it's, I have to do it or I must do it. Like, it's not really an option. Like he's like, so he'll use the example of like for a smoker, it's like, don't wait till you have cancer to need to have to stop smoking. You know what I mean? Like before that point, it's a, you know, make it, I have to stop because this could happen as opposed to, well, I want to, because then when stuff happens and you get tempted, you won't do it. Like if a window's open for escape, you're going to go out it as opposed to if you burn the boats kind of mentality. And so that was definitely, yeah, the first time that I'd not had the money back, like the plan, I'm a planner and the plan was not fully set. It wasn't all mapped out, but I also knew I wanted to go places I'd never been. So I knew I had to do things I'd never done. So for me, I'm not the kind of personality that likes to leap off the cliff before the parachute is thoroughly built and ready and assessed and tested. But I knew if I was going to go higher places that I felt called to go, I was going to have to do that because especially from my podcast, what I've seen is that's what everybody says. Like you have to build the shoot on the way down. You have an outline before you jump, but you ultimately build it and tweak it on the way down. And the only way you're going to fly is if you ultimately jump. So that's the stuff I learned. So it's like, you know, I have all this information that everybody's told me from billionaires to celebrities to everybody. I have to just do it myself. Like you can't just tell everybody else that you have to do it. So that's 
what I did. <laughs> and how did you meet your husband? So my husband and I met two years before I moved to grad school at, at the gym that I was training at in Tennessee for my second fitness competition. So he was just another trainer that was there. I wasn't training with him. I was training with somebody else. And we were just friends. Uh, we we're dating other people. And I had plenty of other things happening in my life with all my parents stuff. And so I was just dating the person I was dating and wasn't really looking around. I mean, I thought he was good looking, but that was about it. You know, I hadn't really thought about anything else. And same thing, he had plenty else going on, hadn't thought much about me. But so we were friends for a couple of years. And then I moved to graduate school very suddenly didn't really even say bye to a lot of people. He was, he wasn't somebody that I even said bye to, but he heard that I had left and he had this little moment where he thought like, well, shoot, you know, I'm, so, I'm sad that Gina left. And then he thought to himself like, why do I care if she left and just kind of pushed, pushed it away. And then we both ended up doing the same international fitness show together, like on the same team of people. So we traveled to the location to do this show with, with the team. And it was kind of the first time we'd hung, like actually spent time together, obviously with the group of people and like hung out with the group. And it was the weirdest thing for me. Cause at this point he was actually engaged now. And so it was the weirdest thing because we were in this group of people and I just had this feeling like, you know, everybody says like, you know, it's, you know, when you meet your soulmate, like I felt like somehow he was going to be my husband, but I was like, obviously you don't have any clue how this is going to be because he's with somebody else. So then I negotiated my head. I was like, well, maybe he's just the example of the kind of person I'm supposed to look for because the previous relationship I had had, I'd been cheated on. And so at this point I was like, didn't care anything about love or relationships. So I thought, well, maybe this is just God showing me an example of like, this is the kind of guy you need to like, this is get your feet on the ground. This is what you should look for in your future person. So that's what I had kind of settled it to be. But then on his end, it's funny, like when we were finally together and talked about it later, like he felt like after that trip, he was like, well, what am I going to do? Because this is who I'm supposed to marry. So we both had that feeling of like, this is my soulmate, you know? And so for me, I thought, how's this going to work? And for him, he thought, I have to go sort this out, you know? So, and then everybody else that was on that trip had told each of us individually, like who we were friends with was like, man, you and Kel, there's just like this weird spark, like energy, like this is weird. And I was like, no, there's nothing. We both just got, or I was pushing it away. Cause again, I knew he was taken. And so, but long story short, yeah, he flew back from that trip and he broke off his engagement and then called me and was, again, he's a super honest personality. So he's like, this is the deal. <laughs> And so we were like, okay, well, it worked out great that I was away. He was still in Tennessee and I was Chattanooga. So we could just like give time. Cause again, I definitely did not want to be some kind of like rebound somebody's cold feet, which I didn't think that was him. Cause again, we had this, it was just, you know, meant to be, but it was great just to have that space and, and stuff for both of us. But then like six months later or something, I was able to fly back for a holiday. And so then we started dating at that point. And so then we dated for two years, my last two years of graduate school, long distance. So there's lots of good relationship tips there, but long distance. And then as soon as I got my residency in Tennessee, which was a blessing, because I didn't know if I was going to get one in Tennessee. And I did. And we got married four months after I moved back and have been to married almost six years this November and been together for eight so that's kind of our interesting, like, yeah, we knew we were soulmates when we like finally spent time together <laughs> on different ends of the spectrum and, and it worked out. And what was your first impression of him? He is like the brightest star in the room. Like he's extremely extroverted. He's so nice. He's the one who knows everyone and remembers everyone's name and anything they ever told them about their family. Like he is the math, like master of networking. Like, you know, he'll remember the guy who changed the air filter on his car. And then two years later, like that person would do anything for him because like he made them feel so special on their brief, like interaction. So he's always been this positive, like, light extroverted. He's got a big belly laugh. He's loud. He's so loud. And so like everybody hears him a mile away, but everybody, there's no one that doesn't love Kellen, my husband, like everyone loves Kellen. So that was my first impression of it. Wow. This guy is like, you know, extroverted, this big, bright life. He's a, a huge cheerleader. He's literally the best cheerleader ever. Everybody loves him to come to anything they're doing. Cause he will just like, make you feel like you rule the world. So that was my first impression of him. And that's, who he is all the time. <laughs> and what do you think he does to really make people feel that way? 
he like just really like he just takes time for people and actually like listens like and he want he has he wants to get to know people like I'm extroverted but I guess I don't know if it's just my like I don't know probably my stint in California really amplified this but like you know say for example going through a walk in our neighborhood I'm kind of getting it done like I'm walking, you know, this is the task at hand. We're walking. I'm not like trying to, to say hello to every neighbor that I pass and then also stop my walk to like hear their name and what they want to say at that moment. But like, he really wants to know even the slightest tidbit about everybody. He's super curious. He loves people watching. So he'll do that on our walk. She's like, Hey, how's it going? You know, and that somebody will say their name and he'll say, his name and he'll remember it. So he just genuinely is an explorer. He's always been an explorer outdoors, indoors, everything. He loves to learn. So he's just always been a very curious personality. So he's curious about people, how things work, all the things. I think that's why he can make people feel special because he truly is curious about them and everyone loves to feel invested in and feel important like that. So he's super, super good at that. And how do you think like your past in um, fitness competitions helped you now in your business? Well, so definitely like, especially in fitness competitions, my favorite thing about doing that myself and then helping others later is my favorite thing now is personal development and mindset because it's truly the key to anything that you want to do in life to truly feel happy and fulfilled is having your mindset right. And to be a fitness competitor and compete at an actual competitive level, like that's what really separates you from everybody else. Everyone can go work out. Everybody can eat the food you're supposed to eat, follow the diet plan and do all of that. But not everybody can take it mentally and not everybody can like thrive mentally on that because, you know, and it it teaches you so much self-discipline. It teaches you like, like encouragement. It teaches you like, you know, dedication teach you sticking to something you want to do, even if the mass group you're in isn't doing it. And that's huge because you go out plenty of times to eat with your friends and everybody else is eating, you know, wings with sauce all over it and having beverages. And then you've got your, you know, salad and chicken. It's very, so it teaches you like, do I want this bad enough to like stick to my principles and what I need to do to get it done? And it's like that in anything. If you want to start a business, like maybe other friends aren't starting a business and that's fine. But you also have to know, like, even if they're not on board with what your dream is, you are on board with what your dream is and you're going to stick to it and you're going to do what's necessary to make it happen. So it teaches you all of those principles and to, you know, when you're tired, you get up anyway, you do cardio anyway. So like the things that are fitness related in it are still life principles that you apply anyways. You know, like even for me running my business now, having a daughter to invest the time I want with her and be present. The way to do that is I need to get up earlier and stay up later to do that. So that's just like doing, waking up to do your cardio at 4am because you've got class at eight and you have to train three people before class who wants to get up at 4am. Most people don't, but if you want to win and be top in the world, then you do, you know what I mean? So you learn kind of those things that are fitness related, but then they cross over into other life concepts too. And that's what's so fun. And then in helping other people do it, for them seeing that, you know, and, you know, bad things happen in your life along the way in your competitive journey. Maybe your boyfriend breaks up with you or you lose your job or something happens and you have to learn those tactics of pivoting and not just dropping your dream because something else happened, because that's just going to happen all through our lives. And I think that's why so many people aren't living their dream life is the road, the potential roadblocks happen. And you just have to learn to shift your thinking from this is a roadblock and shift it to this is a stepping stone. And you learn a lot of those concepts in a fitness competition route. And, um, you know, you you realize the results you want are on the other side of that kind of thinking. And what is the abundance formula? So the abundance formula is the name of my podcast. And I came to that name. It kind of was always the name. It's the first one that came to me. It's the first one I prayed about that came to me. And I tried to tried looking at other names and brainstorming other things. And I just kept coming back to that name because At the end of the day, that was what I was looking to show people is that there really is a formula to creating abundance, you know, and so through the podcast, there's short motivational segments with myself, and then there's longer segments that are with other people I'm interviewing 
And I've had everyone from celebrities, influencers, the average everyday heroes, Paralympic athletes, like all kind of, I try to have everybody, not just like super celebrities, but also the average everyday people. And to show that there, all of these different people are, are abundant to themselves. And what are the common actions, thought patterns, and principles that they live by that's created where they are? Because then what you see, even if we're not blatantly stating, this is how you're doing it, like you, you absorb the breadcrumbs of how to get there through listening to these conversations and hearing, Oh, there's so many commonalities of what these people are doing and the way they're living and how they see obstacles and how they, how they talk to themselves and maybe even tactics. Like they use their sticky notes. Like there's common things these people are doing that have created where they are. And so I wanted to be able to bring that to people and, you know, not just like help, inspire people to reach their fullest potential and to create their dream life, but to give them the tools to do that. And in a fun way where they can see people from all different backgrounds and levels of, you know, popularity, but all feel successful and abundant for them to teach those kind of concepts. So that's kind of, so I thought, yeah, the abundance formula, it is a formula. It's something you have to, to learn just like you would math. You learn the formula and then you plug and chug. You know what I mean? You have to, there is the formula, but then you have to implement the formula, no matter the variables, you know, using math thrown in. So I was like, it's really the perfect name to kind of like invoke what I'm wanting people to get from the podcast. And what, what, what are some of your favorite moments from the podcast? And what are the, like some common things that you feel come up a lot in your interviews? Mm-hmm. One of the top moments that comes to mind, um, honestly, was because I had started it maybe in December of uh, 2017, and um, we got we found out we were pregnant. I think it was March. And so the first person to find out that I was pregnant, because I had just done a pregnancy test that morning, was Elena Cardone, which if people don't know who that is, super massive business mogul, her and her husband, like working on being billionaires, like, you know, so huge. So it was so cool. I already couldn't believe she was coming on the podcast, was super excited. And the fact that I'd just taken a pregnancy test right before I got on with her, um, and she's a mother of two girls. And um, so she was the first person that like found out. And she, she was like, what? cause I was just so smiley. Cause again, we had tried, we'd had fertility issues and we'd been trying for a long while. And so I was just so excited. I just had this look on my face. So she's like, what are you so excited about? I was like, well, besides that you're on here, like I just found out that I'm pregnant. And so we had a fun, like, she was just so excited for me and we talked about it for a little while. And so that was a fun, like special moment on the podcast. And then say just, I love all the episodes that have my Paralympic athletes on there, they're just always so inspirational. That's my favorite part of like what I do as a practitioner with prosthetics it is are my MBTs. I love prosthetics is my favorite. And I loved in living with Cal in California, I got to work a lot with the challenged athletes foundation and just meet so many incredible people. And so I love, I just love them sharing their, their stories and they're just all so powerful. And one of my favorites is with scout Bassett because she grew up in China, was in a chemical fire and left on the street to die as a baby. And somebody turned her into an orphanage and it was an abusive orphanage. And she just had so many trials and like just overcame. She's literally a Cinderella story. So that was one of my favorite moments is too. I knew her story already from being friends with her before, but to bring that out, cause I definitely have primarily female listeners. And so for people, whether they're an amputees, of course, from being a practitioner, So to be able to have both groups feel like she had, you know, not only the success story of being amputee and being a medaled athlete, but she also was on the cover of, um, is it ESPN's body issue? And that was one of the things that she had struggled with was her body image and her scars. And she hid that for the longest time. But when she stopped hiding it is when she got her at her running leg, which does not look cosmetic and is, you know, more bionic looking. And once she embraced that and that that was strength, that's when she really catapulted. So that was one of my favorite like moments to, to just give that to other women who may feel that way, even if they're not an amputee, just like embracing their beauty and whatever their journey is. Cause that's something that's near and dear to me. So that was probably another really great, like just moment, I guess. And I guess maybe the last one is just when I had Riley and then um, Higgins on there, just because only for myself, 
I didn't think that I could get a celebrity on my podcast as quickly as it happened, but I felt like that was just kind of a confirmation from God, like you're in the right place. Cause for me, I was like, this will happen way down the road, but this is my strategy. And then like all of a sudden by sheer blessing, that's what happened. And right, like by episode two, and I was just blown away by like, okay, this is something that's supposed to happen and then to be into that was just a cool thing to, of gratitude to be grateful for. And during your fertility journey, what helped you through that? Were you ever worried, like, is this going to work out? Like, am I going to have kids? Is this going to happen? Or is this going to be something that maybe doesn't work out for me? Yeah. So in that journey, it definitely like, I know people are like, oh, the fertility journey is really hard. It's like, you really don't know until you're in there. Because if you've always envisioned that you'd have children and then you actually get the results that it's like, right now you definitely aren't statistically. So like, unless we can get some things changed, it's not going to happen. And that's like crazy to think about when it's something you've really wanted. And so for me though, what really gave me peace throughout it is because I personally don't believe that God gives you a desire that he's not going to meet. And if it's not going to be exactly that way, then he's going to shift it to be what it's going to be. So, so for me, I just always felt like I was going to be a mom. And so that's just what I stuck to. So I'm like, if I'm going to be, I have to release what the timeline of that might be. But I, but if I truly felt that in my heart, that's what it's going to be. So I just embrace that. The like, whenever that's going to happen, I'll go through the action steps of like anything we need to do to help that. But ultimately it's just going to be in God's hands if that happens or not. And when, but I felt like it was going to happen because that was the desire of my heart. And I felt it so deeply. And I knew that at the end of the day, if it was going to shift, then it would be shifted. And that would be my new like dream. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be like a second option. You know what I'm saying? Like if I felt like I would at least have one biological child, then if, if I was going to be adopting, it would be my new dream. It wouldn't be like, well, I guess I'll adopt. You know what I mean? That makes sense. So I personally don't feel like if you don't feel called to that, like if you feel called that you're going to have your own child, then you will, but you have to have the, the faith for that to happen. Like, I feel like God can bless you to the degree of your faith. So whatever you're willing to put out there is what he can do. And so that's just what it is. Like, all right, I have have to make it happen. I'm going to do my job to show up as best I can but the rest you'll just have to do. And so that gave me a lot of peace just to know like this, this is what I feel. So it's going to happen and to embrace that. And I think that is what makes that happen. And what has helped you balance motherhood and running your business? I've definitely always grown up used to multitasking. So that definitely helps. Like I was always in a bunch of things in high school and had a lot of things going on in college. I was, I started my first business when I was 19, maybe. Um, so my first business, when I was 19, my own personal training studio when I was in college and did that while working in college. So I had, a, I've always been busy, but then definitely yeah, motherhood is a whole new degree of people uh, busy that people do not, not even know until they, until they get there. But I think what just balanced it is, you know, I was very open to going with the phase, you know, ebbs and flows. So like in her infancy, when you're just like, you're getting no sleep, for example, I love my podcast, but like being able to take care of her and safely was, was more important. So maybe I didn't record as many podcast episodes as I would have loved to. Or again, I did take my maternity leave and didn't try to rush back to work. Or, you know, we had a bunch of in-person training clients before I had her and a bunch of online clients and corporate businesses I was training. And I made the executive decision to move everybody online, you know, and if somebody didn't want to be online, then we would just get back with them once I was able to handle the load of everything. So, you know, I just made decisions to take care of myself first so I could best take care of our child. And then honestly, business came second or third, I guess. And it, it works out just fine. And people are very understanding of when you have a child too and making sure everyone's taken care of. But after she got older than that, I mean, it just takes planning. And I tell people that even, especially my business, like everybody is busy and way more people have a lot of life catastrophes happening that we don't realize you think everybody's fine and you're the only one, but it's just not the case. It's just, who's going to handle it better. You know what I mean? It's like the weight, like of what you're carrying matters and how you carry it. And so that's a life concept that I've used. Like no matter how much I have to do, 
I can do it all, but you do have to be organized. And especially as a parent, that's the biggest thing you want to just like, you become extremely intentional with your time, which is one of my favorite lessons with parenthood, because we all need to do that anyways, whether your parents or not, is become just, especially in your adulthood, so intentional with your time and stop wasting it with places of people that aren't investing with you or in you and aren't supportive of you and don't lift you up and like, just get, you just don't have time ultimately for all of that truly. But as a parent, you literally don't have time for any of that. So I just got super intentional with my time, mapping out my day, not just running with my day willy nilly and sort of seeing, taking it as it came, like kind of mapping out the day as best I could when I could work on things consistently based on how, what phase she was in and then be willing to pivot though, because then they're going to hit a new phase and their naps won't be in the same place and you just regroup again. So a lot of planning and just being really intentional and giving yourself like the self care that you need, which is what I loved about the one of the reasons that the business I chose, the network marketing company I chose, I felt so perfect for me because it was a form of self-care. It's, it's vegan hair and skincare. And that was like two areas, especially my skin that I just, and especially as a parent, you just neglect everything about your, your own self-care like that. And so I was like, this would be perfect because I'm forced to both take care of myself and do things that make me feel good and make me feel beautiful. But then I'm also helping other people and building a business and brand from it. So that was one thing I loved about it is I already worked out, but like my face was broken out and my hair was crap and all that, you know, it's just like, it was a way for me to force myself to, to take my baths and take time for me and let the husband watch the baby for 30 minutes or 10 minutes. So I could just do me time that made me feel good. So giving yourself some time and then just organizing your schedule and um, choosing to view it as oh, I'm not so busy. I just can't do all the things to being like, I'm busy. And I'm excited that I can do all the things, you know what I mean? You just have to choose that you can do it. You just have to be really intentional and organized and willing to pivot and not just be, woe is me? I'm so busy and overwhelmed kind of thing. And what's something you're learning right now? One of the things that I've learned, like, um, cause my daughter's super talkative and she always has been, but now she like is very talkative, makes complete sense. Um, and so she'll be two in November, but like what I'm learning as they can really be mobile and verbal as they definitely start exuding what their personality is. And she is extremely fiery and like opinionated and all these things. And so one of the things I've been learning and I, it was one of the things I was excited to learn because as parents, you always try to like maybe better upon your childhood. That's all you can do as parents. Like you get your shot at it, you do the best you can. And then your kids get to try to better upon that. For me, I'm excited to learn how to both like, like keep her harnessed as far as discipline and, and harness her, but at the same time, not tame her spirit. And there's a balance with that. You know what I mean? Like she's extremely fiery and opinionated and just like spicy and like super smart and very curious and adventurous. Like my husband and just like wanting to try all the things and like that. There's so many great qualities to that. And then like, as they're, you know, this little, they can hurt themselves with a lot of that too. So you're trying to find the balance of protecting them in the phase they're in, but not taming that awesomeness out of them. And a lot of the things that are like her aren't necessarily like me. I'm a little naturally more a safer personality. She has a lot more of the daredevil nature that's from my husband and her. So for me being her kind of primary caretaker, I have to make sure to like, this is who she's been born to be. And I'm going to let God use that how it's supposed to be. So I don't want to mess that up. So I have to find the balance of like, I'm not going to like not let her do something because I wouldn't necessarily do it depending on obviously what it is safety wise and such. But so that's a hard battle as a parent to like, you may be a completely different personality than your kid. And so not to just like put them in a box from childhood. Cause that's where so many people's limiting beliefs happen. It's from childhood because they see, you know, their imagination going a certain direction. It's maybe not what you see possible. It's not your dream. And so it gets squashed. I think that happened to me and that happens to so many people like, and it's not on purpose. It's just a protective mentality as parents want to keep your kids safe and not let them feel disappointment or whatever, but it's a fine balance to not like to let them be them and not to try to put them in a box like you um, and let them see where they're meant to go and how high they're meant to go. Cause sometimes, especially if it's meant to be higher than you, like then let them do it and just support them along the way. And it may be scary, but like, 
you know, that's how you get the Oprah's of the world and the Thomas Edison's. You know, I mean, I'm sure their parents were scared to death. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, you look insane, you know, or whatever. But I want to be the kind of parent that if I may feel that inside, like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. Why can't you just be like everybody else and do your nine to five or whatever it may be? And she may want to do that, you know what I'm saying? But is to just like, let her do her. So I'm learning that along the way is like how to do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and what is something that most people don't know about you? Hmm. I mean, I would say probably one thing that a lot of people don't know about me on more of like a serious note is I'm sure a lot of people don't know about me that like, cause now I've worked really hard since I guess probably grad school. Well, maybe post-graduate school. It's not been a long past that I've really started to work on feeling fine to express my true self, like, especially emotionally. And, um, so I've had a lot of people don't necessarily know that because maybe the me they see now, they're like, Oh yeah, you're just really open about how you feel. And you know, about struggles you've had or whatever, whereas, but my whole life before that, I mean, I had, I used to get chronic migraines because I would just keep it together all the time as a kid. I remember taking four Advil a day in fourth grade forever till high school because of just like stress headaches and tension and just like keeping it all in. Or I would, I would plan when I was going to cry. Like if something happened, then I wouldn't cry at school. I'd sit there and think I'd hold it in. And I think, okay, well, I got a violin lesson after class or after school. So then I'll get home and I'll have like 30 minutes before mom and dad get home. And then I could cry. You know what I mean? It's like people, a lot of people don't know that that was how extreme I've been about like not expressing how something makes me feel, especially if it's emotion like that, that's like crying or sadness or just hurt or something didn't work out. I was kind of always thought that I just had to be on top of it all the time. And that's not how I present myself now, but definitely like I grew up, like I was always first place and it was not acceptable if I wasn't. And so I just felt like I always had to be that perfect image all the time. And so people that have known me in the past, probably five or six years wouldn't have known that on a lighter note, something people probably don't know, especially with my extroverted personality is I hate talking on the phone. Like I'm so scared of talking. I like, if I don't like to order pizza. I don't like to call people. Like I just don't like to call people um, about anything. And so people would never guess that about me because I'm typically really extroverted and they think, why would you not just call somebody? I would rather text them or just even voice message them or anything, but to call them, I just hate calling people. <laughs> And if you had five minutes right now and you can talk about whatever you want to talk about and you could create a video on any topic that you're passionate about, what would you want to talk about? Definitely like the biggest thing that I feel super passionate about and like called with that transfers to any of the the businesses or the things that I'm doing in my life is like, I'm super passionate about helping people reach their highest potential and to create their dream life and I especially feel called to people who feel called to extraordinary things because I felt that as a kid, but I grew up in a uh, culture that that wasn't accepted. I a strict religious community that, that like you didn't need to do that unless it was in the places that that was normal for them. Um, and so I grew up like my aspirations and big dreams kept getting like tailored to meet like what was acceptable in the place I grew up in. So what I'm super passionate about is helping to, attract and reach out to people that feel called to really great things that maybe don't feel they have the support system for that. So whether they don't have parents that support that, or they don't have a community that supports that or a friend group that supports that, but they just feel it. I want to help get connected to them to, to let you know, like there are other people that feel that too. And there's a community waiting for you of other people that feel that too, that want the same thing as far as support to do that, like to help you brainstorm, to, to help share what you've got, to help see if it'll work for you to maybe help you network and get you connected to the person you need to be to try that on. You know what I mean? And helping people feel okay to try it on. Cause again, that's where I didn't feel like it was okay for me just to try some of these crazy things to see if it would work. You know, even again with my network marketing business to just try it on and see if it worked, you know what I mean? Just go for it and see what happens. If it fails, no worries. Like I wasn't raised that it messing like failing was just a choice of if it, it's a fail or if it was just a, a re, need to redo it. You know what I mean? Like I love, I think it was Thomas said, it's like I found however many ways didn't work to create light. And then I found the one that did as opposed to like, Oh, I failed so many times. Why would I keep going? He's like, no, I just found so many ways it didn't work. And that's a huge mindset shift. And I didn't, 
grow up feeling like that was an okay process. Like you had to like somehow get it right the first time or nobody needed to know you didn't get it right all these other times and just needed to see the time that it worked. And I've learned there's like, there's so much more reward and helping people in the in-between space to get to the big success as opposed to them just seeing you at the success point because they'll feel like they can't get there. It's too far out and they can't do it too. There's so much more joy in being joined, like not to make it an exclusive thing that people can't be really successful and abundant, but make it a thing that's available for everybody and to teach them that they can do it. And I would love to help you do it. Or I'd love to create, have you in our community that like wants everybody to win. I w- didn't grow up around people that everybody could win. It was like you won or I won. And that's something I'm really passionate about. Like everyone can win. And the sooner you realize that everyone can win and should win the higher up everybody's going to go, which is one of my favorite things about finding this business that I'm in is that is literally how you get to the top is helping everyone like yourself and everyone that's on your team win makes everybody win. And it's way more fun when you make everybody win. So I would just, yeah, have five minutes of a soapbox to say like, you can reach your highest potential. If you don't feel like you're tapping into your highest potential, then you're not. And if you feel like you've got some crazy stuff in your head, you'd love to try on try it on. And if the people that are close to you right now aren't down with that, there are, there's a vast world out there, world out there with social media and podcasts and all this stuff. It's very easy to find those people and connect with them virtually. Some of them may even live in your own area and to get to create that support system for yourself. You know, the best way to predict the future is to create it. So create your community, find the community, join it, get interactive with it, help each other. Like how can people help you and how can you help them? And just like, it's super exciting. Life is so much more exciting when you're trying to reach your highest potential, which makes you super happy and fulfilled and helping other people do the same. And if you can go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what would you tell her? I would definitely tell my 20 year old self to, to, so when I turned 19 is when my parents told me that they were like having issues, had no clue about that before. And that's when they told me that when I was 19 and then it's, but, and I was specifically told at that point that like, but And again, in our community, our family was like, you know, really looked up to well and whatever. And, you know, kind of the perfect family. So it was like, we weren't going to tell anybody and it was going to be kept very low key. So they weren't going to go to therapy. Nobody was going to therapy. They just wanted to let me know. And pretty much what happened at that point is I became the therapist, (laughs) you know, every, you know, both of them told me each of their things and I was trying to help them. And then I didn't really have anybody to talk to especially somebody that was, could be outside of the situation. And so I just kept it all in. So at that point, like, you know, I didn't feel like it was okay to be vulnerable. And so I just kept it all in. I didn't seek help. I didn't even pick a best friend to express what I felt to and know that they would obviously not tell anybody else. So I just kept it all in. We, we kind of, all of us, and obviously they've learned from this. Obviously this isn't something they've intended to do, but they've learned, we became an Island, you know, and all their best friends fell away and I didn't have any friends and we were all we had and it was chaos. It wasn't a good even thing that we had. So I wish I would have gone and gotten help because so much trauma and a lot of things probably could have been avoided if um, I would have gotten therapy or a counselor or something to help me because I pretty much got skipped my young adulthood. I launched right out of just starting college and just supposed to have this fun thing and saw, heard and experienced things that no kid that age should be dealing with and responsibility level. And, but I just felt like that was what I was supposed to do and be this rock all the time. So definitely a lot of personal emotional damage happened in that phase where I just took it all and took everybody's way. The more weight I could hold, the better it could be for everybody else. And I didn't think if I take care of myself first, I'll actually be able to help other people more. And that's a huge life, you know, big shift in life to make is actually, if you first take care of you, then you're better able to help other people. So I would definitely tell my 20 year old self, go talk to somebody. Like if you're really struggling, don't hide it. Don't think you just need to bury it and just be this strong rock you need, you know, go express that to somebody. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. It's so wonderful to, to connect and, you know, just to chat about things that we both love talking about. It's great to, again, extend the community to, for like-minded people. 
And where can people connect with you? So I am mostly on, as far as social media, on Instagram, Gina, spelled J-E-A-N-A underscore Oldham, O-L-D-H-A-M. So that's where I post um, the main things that I'm doing, both personal life and my network marketing business with Monate. Um, And then I have a Facebook page as well, Gina Oldham. And our personal training, because we still are doing that, and it's still stuff that we love, is called Oldham Strong. And so we have an Instagram and Facebook as well. But a lot of times I end up just with motherhood. It tends to all be at the Gina Oldham, honestly, just posting everything once. So really that's the main place. And then my email that you can ask any questions or for collaborations would be info at oldhamstrong.com. And oh, and the abundance formula is on the website. The, um, well, any pot, anywhere podcasts are available, the abundance formula or our website, oldhamstrong.com. It's also there if you want to, you know, be able to read the descriptions of different people on and um, information like that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.